The theme of this month is Christmas around the manger. Now, for those of you who weren't here last week, we'll be continuing with this series. But what we want to make sure you understand is there's a lot of things that are going on in the Christmas season. And however you think or you see people perceiving what Christmas is, what Christmas means, and what Christmas stands for, we want to make sure that you know the truth. It wants you to be able to intelligently be able to explain it to someone if they ever ask you or point them in the direction of something that you can point them to the broadcast and say, hey, look and you can see the truth about the real story about Christmas. Now, last session, I opened up and I began to teach you from the Word of God maybe a way that you had never heard the Christmas story. I began to show you that there, God has a plan of redemption for mankind. And it was given before judgment was even placed on mankind. God had already put that provision in there, even though we didn't deserve it. I showed you the signs that God put in place that would put the timing of when that provision would show up just like he said it would, and it did. Because anytime God tells you something will happen, somebody say, it will. It will happen. So... Finally, I explained to you the reasoning, and that is simply because man was separated from God. And because of the consequences of his choice, that's what set this into motion. So then God had to cast man out of the garden. Actually, you know, he, he had created that place for them where they could rule in dominion. Then man had to be separated from God to the point where he had to put angels in a flaming sword at that entrance of the east side of the garden to protect the tree of life so there could be no reentry. Genesis 3.24 in the NIV says, And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So since man couldn't find his way back to God, God had to find a way to go after him. So I explained to you how he put himself into a seed, a seed of a woman, and sowed himself as a savior in the womb of Mary so he could be reunited with man. Emmanuel, God with us. And that is the Christmas story. Now today is part two. We'll pick up from there. And can I tell you, the truth is, hold up your Bible. All of the Bible points to Jesus. So actually, this is the Christmas story. Luke 4, 27 says, in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So it's all about Jesus. Now, Jesus here, remember, he's talking to the disciples, and it's after God had raised him from the dead, but they weren't getting it. They were just kind of slow to understand, and, and they weren't hooking up with everything. So he made it very clear, this is me. All of the Bible points to me. All of the prophecies he fulfilled and all of the story of Israel points to me. That's what Jesus was saying here. It's all the working of God's redemptive plan, as we talked about last time, that he placed in history to bring about the events that's happened. So, why do we have the scriptures? So that we can believe, right? John 20, 31 says, you may, oh, oh, excuse me, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And second of all, it says that by believing, this is the part I like, this is the redemptive Savior part, that you may have life, say life, in his name. So it's all about his name and the life that's in his name. So the fulfilling of all the prophecies, the God's redemptive plan, his redemptive rescue mission for us all is in Jesus. Now, it's recorded by men, but it was under unction of the Holy Spirit that it was right. 
So it's not something that man made up because some people say, well, man wrote that Bible. No, it was under unction of the Holy Spirit. How do you know that? Well, because 2 Peter 1, 20, 21 says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So it's from the Spirit of God speaking to men like you and I. Putting it where you and I can understand what God has for our life. No one in this life should ever be able to say, I just don't know what my purpose is. If you know the truth, you can never make statements like, well, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Come to me. I will show you exactly what to do with your life because I will point you here to the story of Jesus who will tell you exactly why you're here, exactly what your purpose is, and exactly what you're supposed to be doing each and every day. There's no mystery. So what happens is when you have lack of understanding, it breaches your capability to be able to send in mental ascension of thought to be able to be, so you get captivated by mediocrity. So don't be captivated by mediocrity when excellence is trying to speak into your life. God's trying to renew your mind because you were downloaded at birth with the Spirit of God in you. Do you understand? God put a mental understanding in you, and it is to be realized and rediscovered by reading the Word of God. And when you do, you renew the mind. It didn't say it knew the mind. Renew. That means if you put something in there that is wrong thinking, it will kick that out and put something. And once you've heard the truth, even if you don't like the truth, it still kicks out that negative thought, that wrong thinking, and it still will steer your mind in the right direction. And so it's all about hearing the truth for what it is. And once you hear that truth, it can change your life forever. Because if you change this eight-inch space between your ears, you will change the way you conduct your life. As a man thinketh in his heart, in his being, so is he. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so all of Scripture... Now listen to this. You, some of you need to hear this today. Uh, the old and the new scriptures, they all point to Christ. Listen. In Isaiah, it explains him as the anointed one and his anointing. So that's who he is, and the anointing is what he does. And it explains in Isaiah that it is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying. Now, now i got to step away for a minute because some people hear these and they start making them cliche, and you really don't understand what you're saying. What is a burden? A burden is something that you carry that weighs you down. It's the heaviness of life. How many people know what I'm talking about? If something gets on you, it's a thought. It's something that's in your mind. And the next thing you know, it's weighing you down. It's captivating your mind space. You can't even move on to the next thing because you're so captivated by this craziness that's locked up in your head. So then this burden stays with you. Now, you try to shake the burden off, but then there's the yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke is something that ties the burden to you. So now not only do you deal with the burden, the yoke is around your neck, and you can't shake it. How many people be honest right now and say, you got something, I can't shake it? Say, Bishop, I can't shake it. I can't, it won't leave me. I try to lay it down, and I, I go to stay, and it's right back on me. Why? Because you've got a yoke. It's tying you to it. And it struggles you. So <laughs> the anointing comes along. The truth comes in, corrects that thinking, and it starts to lift. The burden. It starts to remove the burden. How many people have ever been locked down on something? I remember one time I was trying to work on the, uh, the changing a tire in my car. And, and we used to have to block up the, you know. Well, one time I, I didn't get the block high enough and I left the jack down and I was under the car. It's a bad place to be. Now, it wasn't enough to crush me, but the pressure, I couldn't get out. 
But then I hollered and my dad came over and he started to remove the burden. See, that, that I could... I, I could just kind of wiggle out. You see what I'm saying? So first, you got to get the you got to get the anointing of, of the Holy Spirit to kind of lift the burden a little bit, get some pressure off. Then you you, you, you kind of get get out of that get out of that yoke. See, and that, and that yoke can't tie you to the burden, but it doesn't stop there. Then he says he will destroy the yoke, so you don't get back up under it again. Some of you, you're yoked up. Some of you got burdened, listen, and you're being crushed. Listen, all you need is the anointing of God. He can do more in 30 seconds than you can do the rest of your life. Why are you carrying it around? Jesus makes it so easy. He says that my burden's light. It's easy. My yoke is easy. Why is his yoke easy? Because yoke has no weight. His yoke, you don't even know it's on you. It just leads you. And you'll try to make a wrong turn, and it'll, it'll, it'll straighten you. And, and you'll say, well, I want to, and it, 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 it'll just, just, it, it just leads you around. How many people felt the pull of that yoke? See, see, that's the right kind of yoke that you want. And so when you read about the anointed one and the anointing, he is trying to remove the heaviness and the weight of life. That's why you can exchange the spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. <laughs> when that weight lifts, how can you do anything else but praise God? I want you to see Jesus in the Bible. I want you to see about the gift that we're talking about here today. He is Messiah, his anointing, all the way back to the manger. Do you understand that when the Magi showed up, has anyone ever thought about why they gave him gifts? Yeah, they gave him frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Everything in the Bible is symbolic. Why did he give those things? Anybody know what frankincense is? It's an herb called, called boswellia. And guess what? It's known to take away pain. Google it right now. It relieves pain. What is myrrh? Another herb from the saplings of trees. What does it do? It kills bacteria that causes diseases, and it also relieves pain. Why gold? Anytime you see gold in the Bible, it's referring to earthly riches. What does that have to do with the manger? Because by its stripes, you were healed. And what he promises, the riches he promises, listen to me, they can't be corrupted where moth nor rust does not corrupt. So as you sow, so shall you reap. The Magi knew if they could sow what they had in the natural. Oh, see, y'all don't get it. See, see, I, I, see, I have some money in my wallet. And I sow a seed of a natural and I sow this seed into an offering to the Lord okay that's a seed so this is nothing more than a symbol right a natural symbol but as soon as I sow it it becomes a seed now that seed will produce a harvest in kingdom that seed just left my wallet and went to my heavenly account so my natural turned into a supernatural. So these magi knew if I can sow some natural healing, take away my pain, take my sickness and disease, this is all I have to sow in the natural to give to that. I will sow my earthly riches in exchange for my heavenly riches to be charged to my heavenly account. 
they were recognizing the healing anointing on their life. Why am I telling you this? Some of y'all need some healing in your life. Some of you need to understand all you got to do is make an exchange. All you got to do is just sow into the kingdom. You got to give to God. And I'm not talking about buying healing. This isn't about a dollar bill. This is about your life. You sow your life into him. You say, Lord, you heal me and I'll serve you every day. I have a breath in my body. I don't want to get well for me. I want to get well for you because I understand my purpose and I know why I'm here. The gifts around the manger were to remind us that in this season, it's time to get back to the calling. It's time to get back to the giftings. Those giftings were not for you. They were for the kingdom. Now, you've used them for a time and you needed to learn and you needed to grow. But now, grow up. Eat some meat. Put childish things away. It's time to take the things that God has given you and exchange them for heavenly revenue. Are you tracking so far? We can learn a lot by looking at this manger. All of these words are written by men but inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke them from God in the verses with one purpose. And one storyline, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. For us to believe it by believing and having life in the name of Jesus. Say to have life and to have it more abundantly. Say I will have life and I will have it more abundantly. Now this time, could you please say it like you mean it? I have life and I have it more abundantly. Why? Because I have Jesus. Somebody confess that in this house right now. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, you have all you need. If you have Jesus, all of your needs are already met, even if you don't even know they're met yet. I've never seen a seed begging bread. What are you sowing in your life? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, but I've never seen a seed begging bread. So when we read God's Word, you have to read it from this perspective. It's not just a bunch of words on a page like sometimes we thumb through. It's the story of the life of God that offers us in Jesus. He offers us a life in Jesus. Christmas? What is it? It's the story where all of these holy scriptures, they all come together. They come together with time, and they produce what God revealed is a promise. Now, I know you probably heard the statement, the Old Testament concealed what the New Testament revealed. That's what they're referring to here. It was revealed in a promise. So watch this. I'm going to say it as concise as I can. The miracle of Christmas is the promise became a provision. The promise became a provision. Now listen, I don't know how much of this I'll get through in this sermon. I don't know. I'll try to get through. There's a lot, but I can't just leave you with words and hype. I've got to do a little teaching here. I'll try to get through this, but you need to see in the Word what the Word means. Not memorize a bunch of scriptures and try to glue them all together. You need to understand the foundation of the Word and what the Word is speaking and how it's saying in its totality. So pay attention, listen to this miraculous detail here, the order, the structure, the line upon line, the precept upon precept. So we start with the books of the law, five books of the law called Torah. They form what's called the Pentateuch. Five books in Greek is what it means. So all the Bible traditions say that Moses pretty much wrote those. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Simple. These books talk about God, the creation of humanity, and the world. We know this. But the storyline is simple. But this is where it starts. And if you don't understand this part, you're not going to understand the end. You're not going to understand the news when you're watching the struggle over Israel. 
You're not going to understand about the world and current events so you can't see the prophetic, prophetic signs to know where we are on the timeline. So you have to understand the basis of what the word even stands for. And it starts where it records the early history of humanity. We know that part. And it tells how, listen to me, God raised up the nation of Israel to show himself to all the nations of the world. And that's listed right there in Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8. With Israel to show himself to all the nations of the world. God's always about a people. Look at your neighbor and say, God's all about you. And as we might expect, these books also record the laws of God. I'm sure everyone's heard of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, right? But even through all the commandments, once you pull it through the cross, according to Jesus, the greatest of all the commandments and the second greatest commandment is very important. Because no matter what the rules, no matter what the laws, no matter what the regulations are, there's one thing that matters most. It's love God. Now, when he was asked, and I don't have time to teach this again. I've taught this so many times in this church. But some of you, you have to know you know this. When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he didn't say, love God. He didn't start there. He quotes the Shema. And it's basically, I always say it in Hebrew, but no one understands me. So I'll just say it this way. The Lord our God is one. That's basically what he says. The Lord our God is one and we are one with him. That's what the Shema means. Okay? So it's about a oneness he speaks to here. He speaks to a oneness with God. Now, here is probably one miracle that is overlooked, in my opinion, in Scripture. Being one with God, not just following a list of rules. So when God is with you, right, you're being watched because God's with you and he's watching you. So if God's watching, what are you doing? You're performing. You're acting out. You're trying to obey. You're trying to do what he wants you to do and what you're not going to do. Or you try to hide from God like Adam did. Do I have to take you back to Genesis again? Who told you you were naked? So when God's with you, you're being watched. Listen to this. Here's the revelation. When God's in you, you're being one. We live life like God's with us. When Jesus was here at the birth, he was with us. When he died on the cross, he is in us. So the gift that was given gives us the ability to not have God with us, but to God in us. So then we are one, one with you, God in you, you in God. Oh, people of God, be one with God. Then God's ways, watch this, become your ways. So watch this. If he's the word, according to John Run, right? He was the word, word become flesh, right? So if he is the word, then every time you sow the seed of the word and you sow that into yourself, you're producing Jesus inside of yourself. If he can put himself into a seed and put himself in a womb and he can turn into flesh, then his seed can go into your flesh and it can produce spirit. We don't understand how important it is to hear the word of God. Why do we come to church? Why do you need to be in church on Sunday? Because you have to hear the word. Where are you going to get the word? Now you can read the word but I doubt that most of you can exegete it this way. Most of you can, I don't know, maybe you can. But I don't think you can rev revelate it this way. Sometimes you need teachers and preachers to be able to break things down for you. To get it in where the seed can go through the soil. you got to follow up the ground. And so it's that breaking. That, and you need to sit under revelatory teaching that can break this old fallowed up ground. Just break it up. And <coughs> Mm, mm. Get, get a seed down in there 
So new, new growth can take place in your life in that area. Heal old wounds. Heal old hurts. Destroy old yokes that, listen, will choke the life right out of your body. You leave a bad seed in there long enough, it will choke the life right out of your body. I've seen it happen. If you find yourself like a cat chasing his tail, you just wind up the same place and the view never changes. Some of y'all get that on the way home. When you get tired of looking at all that and doing all that, you'll realize you need a pattern interrupt. You need something to come in and to change that. And the anointing of the Word of God is the thing that can do that. And that is the seed of Jesus Christ. It can come in and change you. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. How are you going to grow if you don't sow down and get the vine down deep in you? Shema. Kishkas, get it down in your kishkas. Remember the teaching? It's like when you eat food, intestines, it becomes one with you. You eat the food, it becomes one with you. He said, it's Shema. Take it in. Become one with me. Let me grow in you so I'm a vine and you can branch out. Even talks about a tree where a tree then could grow out when you sow the word. And it'll grow up over the weeds. And it'll provide cover and be able to help. Bring new life to the things around you. You want to bring some life into your life? I'm going to say this, don't take it wrong. You grow up. You grow up and watch how the people around you start to flourish. Watch how your life flourishes. Because the thing that adds to your life that makes your life better are the people around you. You are who you hang around. And if you don't like who you're hanging around, you have one of two choices. Either change your crowd or change the crowd. Man, I got to move on. I got too much to cover here. I, I don't, I want to stay right here, but I have to go. I have to go. All right, let, let's move on. We got, we got to go. We got the books of history now. Twelve books of history in the Old Testament. The Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These cover about a thousand-year period of history with Israel. Now they don't tell everything that happened, but they do kind of record the major events. That watch this of what happens when people follow God's rules or they ignore them. Now listen, I have followed the plan of God for my life, and I have also ignored it. Following is better. Would anyone disagree here? How many people have gotten out of the will of God and just decided to go on their own way? Uh, and how many people found their way back? How many will say the way back is better? So when you're reading these books of history, all you're seeing is people making the same stupid mistakes that you made. And the lessons God had to show them, to instruct them, so they could get right back on the path they needed to be on. And because some were so stubborn, they had to keep suffering the consequences of their choices. So he, I don't know about you, but if I'm walking along and I hear a thud and I see a knot on your head, I'm ducking. So when you're reading the Word of God, duck, man. You read, duck. These books of history are here to teach you how to stay out of problems. How to keep problems out of your life. Amen. <laughs> Y'all having fun? I am. It explains about how faithful God is to his people. Watch this. Even when they don't deserve it. Yeah, they had consequences of their choices and their actions. But he, he always, like in the garden, he always lets them play out a contingency plan. He demonstrates, he even lets them walk it out. Watch this. How many people like the book of Joshua? Right? 
A lot, of, a lot of people read the book of Joshua and they don't even understand what they're reading. Well, I got a bunch of people and they went over going to go to the promised land. So they wouldn't behave in the desert, so we got them over there and Joshua got them straight. Joshua said, well, we'll get them right and then we've gone over that promised land. Is that really what it was all about? Or was it? I don't know. Let's look. It says, early in the morning, Joshua, I'm, I'm going to read from chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua, with all the Israelites, set out to Shittim and went to the Jordan as a river, where they camped before crossing over. Say, crossing over. After three days, oh, three days. Anybody see any significance there? The gift and the crucifixion. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp and gave orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But listen to this. But keep a distance, underline that in your Bible, of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. What's in the Ark? Presence of God. The presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. Were the people with God or were they still separated from God? Say it. Keep your distance. Still a separation from God. So here clearly it depicts we're still separated from God. God's amongst the people, but he's not with the people. Still can't be united with them. So we have Joshua, Yeshua. A type and shadow of Jesus, Yeshua. And he crosses over the Jordan, which Jordan literally means to flow down. So let's check out the geography here. We have the promised land at the top of the river. It flows down to the Jordan to a place called the Dead Sea. You know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because everything's in it's dead. It's a place of death. So here is Joshua, Jehoshua, with the people who's blocked by a barrier and cannot get to a promise. Because if they go in, then they flow down to the place of death. So they're trapped between here and between there. But Joshua, type and shadow of Jesus, God makes a way. And he crosses over between the place of promise and the place of death and lets them go to the promise. Crosses over. A cross. You need to see Jesus in your Bible, people. Type and shadow where he crosses over into the promise God is faithful to keep his word. So here we see him revealing the perfect plan of God, giving the gift once again to mankind, gift of life. Why? So he could be reunited with them. Do you see this? Type and shadow of Jesus told time and time and time and time and time again. God listens to his people when they cry out to him. Through this period, they wanted a priesthood. He gave them the law. They wanted a leader. He gave them Moses. Joshua. They wanted a judge. He gave him judges. He wanted a ruler. They gave him kings. Is your Bible starting to make sense to you now? Everything they wanted, they were looking to, failed them. Because they were looking to men to solve their problems. What am I saying? Not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. You need to quit trying to look to people to solve your problems. 
You know why? Because most people are crazier than you are. All you're going to do is sow some more crazy in your life? Don't you have enough? Oh, I need another opinion. Another opinion of crazy? How many, how many nuts do you need in your jar? Read on. So finally, God sums it up in the miracle of Christmas. Why? Because this time, he didn't give them what he wanted. He gave them what they needed. Because when the birth of Christ came, he was all these things. He's a priest, a leader, a righteous judge, king of kings. But most important of all, he was the savior of the world. The gift of life. When you see the maiden, it's God looking past what men think they need and giving them what they have to have for life. You think you know, you don't know. This is your only hope, folks. This is your only way. The gift of the manger, the gift of the Christmas story is right here, and it's the best gift, and it's a gift that will keep on giving. It's the only gift that's eternal. And it's free. It won't cost you anything except everything. Everything you have in exchange, the wood, hay, and the stubble, wood, hay, stubble, everything that you think is so important, in exchange for eternal life, that's what you need to see every time you see that manger. So, Luke 2.11 says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's a promise. That's a gift. That's why we have Christmas. Can I have five more minutes? Can I give you just a little bit more foundation of the Word, then I'm going to get out of here. I just feel if I stop right now, I don't think I'm going to give you, is it Okay. I want you to understand, this is very important. You need to see this. The books of poetry. Now, virtually every book of the Old Testament contains some portion of poetry. Sometimes it's in songs and prophecies. But, and the reason why is because a lot of people, you know, for the Old Testament it was written, it, 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 people learn best by hearing because often some of them couldn't read. So poetry would help them remember what had been sung to them, right? How many people know, uh, I know I can remember words to a song, but I can't quote a paragraph. I can remember songs from 20 years ago, but I can't even remember a poem. You, you, make, you see what I'm saying? It's just sometimes, po I, I didn't mean a poem, a statement or something like that. Does that make sense? It's something about poetry, or when you put it in a verse, you can remember it. So that's why the books of poetry are so important. There's six whole books which are considered poetry. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, and Song of Songs. So these books are kind of about worship, and we call them the wisdom books of Israel, all right? It, it, Jews and Christians today, we still, don't, don't, don't we still do psalms, sing psalms and worship with them today? Yeah. So just kind of as we... We understand poetry different from kind of history in our culture. You also have to understand that when you're reading poetry, it affects literally how we read the parts of the Bible. Do you understand that? Because Hebrew poets wrote mainly for groups. So uh, sometimes they would write it for their own use on, on kind of what happened in their lives. Have you ever been going through something? Where are most songs written? Through life's experience. Right? All the songs, the best songs you've ever heard were written out of the hardships from people's lives. Well, that's what you see in these psalms. David's writing in some of these psalms out of, man, he's going through some tough times. And so he's writing this poetry out of the depths of his life, talking about the faithfulness of God because he's living it. It's, it, it's real. So it touches you and it reaches down into who you are because we're going through a lot of these same things. 
Maybe we're not surrounded by armies, but we got stuff around us, surrounding us, coming against us every day of our life. How many people would say amen? You got devils around your house all week long. And so we can be inspired if we understand we're reading this poetry that what, what was able to be understood through the Word of God and how faithful God was to him. Like example, we see Psalm 63, you know, David's running from King Saul in the wilderness. Why? It helps us to understand what he's feeling. But never forget, no matter what's going on, the primary reason for all understanding of the Scripture is to understand the miracle of Christ. For example, and I'm going to go here. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Now, I've taught this here, but for so many years, I was just discouraged. I was taught wrong, and so were you. So I decided to straighten this out. But he's hanging on the cross, and says, the famous scripture, why have thou forsaken me? For years, I thought that Jesus' manhood was crying out because his flesh was crying out, right? How many people said, well, that was the human part of Jesus. Lord, Lord, why have thou forsaken me? Like Jesus was giving up, his flesh was finally crying out. I heard that mess, and it bothered me because it wasn't consistent with anything else I knew. So I had to believe then there was a weakness in my Savior because of his human nature. Are you listening to me? which, by the way, is so inconsistent with Scripture. But I studied this out, and at glory to him, you've been taught correctly. When he was saying, why have thou forsaken me? Watch this. He was quoting poetry. He was going through a hard time. So he was sending a message to the believer. Psalms 22 said in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is the only saying which appears in one or more gospel. Psalms 22.1. He was quoting a psalm. Now, if you understand the divine order of the scriptures like I'm teaching you today, you'll clearly say he wasn't crying out in weakness. Instead, he was demonstrating his position of strength. Now, if you weren't taught this, you'll be like the rest of the folks out there thinking, oh, there's a, there's a time when we all have to be weak. And I can do all things, not all things, but when I'm weak. How can you do all things in a Savior who gives up? But when you clarify and you understand there are books of poetry that when you're going through a hard time, you begin to quote out of the depths of your soul, he points to Psalms 22 to say, that's me that the psalm is talking about. I'm hanging on that cross now and I'm here. And even in the painstaking shape the destructive shape I'm in, I'm still going to quote the word. Why? If you take a lemon and you crush it, what's going to come out? Lemon juice. Why? Because that's all that's in there. When you crush Jesus, there's going to be only one thing come out. And that's the word. So that wasn't weakness. That was the word. You need to understand who your Savior is. Then you can understand the gift that was given. There's no give up in Jesus. There's no weakness in Jesus. There's nothing he won't walk you through. There's nothing he won't carry you through. If he can't walk you through it, he'll carry you through it. According to the prophet Daniel, if he can't get you out of the fire... He'll show up in the fire for you. There's no weakness in him. Either way, he's got your back. Closing, I'm going to make this real quick because i got to get out of here. 
books of prophecy. There's 16 books of prophecy in the Old Testament. They're listed as major and minor, and that doesn't mean of importance. That's just what we call them. So the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The minor prophets, Hosea, Nahum, Joel, Habakkuk, Amos, Zephaniah, Obadiah, Haggai, Jonah, Zechariah, Micah, and Malachi. Now these books, you know, they just tell about the events that are coming to pass. They talk about the messages that are sent to the people of God that name the timing and the events so when they happen, you can know that they were the plan of God and God was accurate to keep his promise just like he did when he sent the Savior to be, gone, to be born. So fast forwarding from the book of beginnings, Genesis, all the way to the last book of the end of times, which is Revelations. Every scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, points to one thing. The one thing that Christmas is all about. The Christmas gift. The Jesus Christ. Christmas around the manger is Christmas around the word. Can you please stand to your feet? If you're going to give a hand clap to God, it's got to be real. It's got, if, you're going, if you're going to thank the Lord, don't, don't half thank God. E -e -e either thank him all the way. I know that was a lot of material to get through to you. But you can go back and you can watch it again. And watch it again if you need to. Cut it up. It's not important that I know this. It's important that you know this. You need to understand the foundations of your word. So when you're looking through your word, you can better understand where you are in the word and what's being said to you about the word. Foundations are important. How many people learned something today? Doesn't it help to organize things? I like things organized. I'm an organized thinker, so I have to have building blocks to operate from. So what I'm going to continue to try to do through the month is I'm going to try to give you some building blocks to help strengthen you in your faith. Then I'll try to apply them to some real-world situations like we're living in, we're getting through. Try to show you some revelation maybe you didn't see in Scripture. Maybe you can see Jesus in a way you've never seen him. I don't know. Maybe then you can understand some things you never knew. Maybe you can accept him in a way you've never accepted him. Maybe then it'll create a trust. Because until you trust him, you're never going to be able to fully accept him. And until you accept him, how can you expect anything to change? So if you're here today, <laughs> and you heard what I talked about. I don't know, maybe it touched something on the inside of you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you'd like to say today, yeah, I want that Savior. I want that going on right here. I want that in my life. Why? Because he can change your life forever. It just makes you better. He makes you better, man. <laughs> that's all I can say. He makes you better. So if that's you today, I want to give you a chance to have the same opportunity myself and so many others have shared. And that's the gift of Jesus Christ, what the manger's all about. It's a gift. I just want to give it to you today. Everybody gets a Christmas gift today. I'm going to give you Jesus. So simple, Romans 10 and 9 says you just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, and that everything I talked about you believe is true about him. And if you'll confess that, believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you're saved. I love that word sozo, saved there. Healed and restored in every area of your life. How many people like that deal? So he wants all your baggage for complete restoration. Kind of a fair swap, right? So that may be you today. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around. Please, let's make this personal today. Nobody's going to embarrass you here today. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And I just kind of like to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you out or make you come up front or anything like that. I just like to know who I'm praying for. With no one looking around, if you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, I want to, I want to give my life today. I, I heard you. And I want, to, I want to get this fixed in my life. With no one looking around, just lift your hands so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the house. Thank you. 
I'm going to ask you now, for all of you, maybe you just kind of slid away from God. You don't even know how it happened. You were doing good, and then you just kind of got away from him. And you know you've got to fix some things, and you want to get back. I, I'm going to pray that prayer, too. So if that's you, please, no one looking around. Just eyes closed. Just lift your hand. Yeah, hands all over. Oh, lift them up so I know who I'm praying for. Yeah, wow. Hands all over the house. You can put them down. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. So open your eyes, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Now, I say this, but I want you to listen to me. It's not important that you hear me pray. It's not important that you hear the people around you pray. It's the fact that you hear yourself praying. And in your heart, you're believing what you're praying. And if you do that, according to that same word, where all those prophetic signs came to pass, it'll come to pass in your life, too, exactly what that word says. And he'll heal, and he'll restore every area of your life. So if you will, let's be obedient to the Scripture. And let's do what I said we should do. Let's pray. Bow your head and say, repeat after me. Say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me. Cleanse me. Make me everywhere at whole. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Therefore, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. In my life, I'm a child of God. Heaven is my home, and you are my Lord. I believe it. I confess it. And that settles it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. And now all of heaven's rejoicing because a lot of souls just came to heaven today. So let's give the Lord... Another hand clap of praise for all those souls that just came into heaven today. Now, for those of you that made that decision, I'm going to tell you it was the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Some of you may need some counsel. You don't have full understanding of some things. Maybe you have some questions. We have pastoral staff up here. They're up here every time service is over. So feel free to mingle if you want prayed for, if you, have, if you have a need, or if you want somebody to agree with, or you have something you need to share or talk about, and you, know, you want ears that will hear with the Spirit and not hear with their head. And you'll need wise counsel right here. We provided every service. Just come straight up here. Don't worry. They'll stay here as long as you need to. That's what we're here for, okay? Remember, glory to Him, we're here to serve you. That's why we came. That's what we do. All right? But we are going to see the anointing power of God work in your life. Amen. So before I come down and bring the, the rest of the announcements up, I just want to tell everyone, my prayer is for you every day and every member in this church that that yoke-destroying, burden-removing power is working rich in you and your family's life all season long. Let's remember, Jesus is the gift. He is the reason for the season. Can you give God one more hand?